says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And it's been a while between recordings, mate, because life's been very busy. But joining me as always is 60s, my good mate. How are you doing at this busy, busy time of the year, champ? Mate, it has, a been, it has been a busy time of the year. There's a few things to catch up on in this podcast. But um, yeah, looking forward to the break and of course we go into the break with some terrific news out of the eels and we'll be talking about that in a moment yes plenty to talk to but for the meantime uh, let's go to as you decide i've described so succinctly mate uh, what the people want it's that time of year where you usually ask saint nick who's been naughty or nice but thankfully when it comes to saint joey you all know we've all been naughty we can just talk about football like uh, the the cheeky little boys we are so at this point we'll welcome the legend that is Joey Grimer back onto the tip sheet. Joey, mate, always a pleasure. How you doing? Uh, g'day, guys. Hectic time of year, mate. Oh, mate. Um, g'day, guys. Great to be back with you, uh, you both and your listeners. Getting ready for Christmas, ready to see the jolly man. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait for Christmas to come so we can have some downtime because it's been a pretty horrific uh, four or five weeks, man. Yeah, and we're going to get right into that, mate, because this is the, the sort of space that you don't see because uh, we're mostly focused on the NRL as rugby league fans, but the junior pathways teams are a month into their preseason. It's, like you said, it's absolutely absolutely hectic, absolute chaos. But uh, in terms of that chaos, are you happy with how all the, the boys and girls are progressing in the juniors? Yeah, certainly am, Jono. Um, um, it's with my role as um, uh, Pathways Coaching Director, this is my um, end of my third year going into my fourth year. This has been the uh, probably the best transition into our Pathways programs. And just to give your listeners a, a bit of um, background, um, we're talking about a Pathways program that um, finishes at our Jersey Flags, our under-21s level, but starts uh, uh, from, from an under-14s level. Now, because of the, the amount of players we have at that 14 or 15s, we've actually got two under-14s and two under-15s development squads of approximately between 35 and 40 players. Um, we've got uh, uh, one group of under-16s in our development squad, and then we go into our uh, elite pathways programs, our Harold Matthews, Estuary Ball, Tasha Gale and Jersey Flegg. So we're talking about um, a staff of 91 um, people, um, and we're talking of um, a group of young men, young women um, of the age of 14 to 21, we're talking about 300, 350 players. And to have that uh, transition over three different locations, that being Cabramatta Oval, Parramatta Morris at Westmead and Kellyville Park, you can certainly stretch your logistics and your patience because of the limited resources, that is balls, tackling pads, water containers, ice drums, those things. Because um, who knows that on, on a Saturday, for example, we would have our Tasha Gale girls training um, at Kellyville Park, our under-14s and under-15s North squads training at another field at Kellyville Park. We have our under-15s, 14s and under-16s South training at Cabramatta Oval and have our Harold Matthews and SG Ball training at Parramatta Marist. 
So we have up to eight programs training on the one day at three different locations. So it has been challenging, but as I said at the uh, beginning of your question, it's been the most successful and and um, consistent tra- most consistent transition or the start to our pathways programs since I've been in charge in this role. Now we've got um, uh, we were chatting just before we started recording, Joey, and you've got a bit of an update for us with the uh, trials tomorrow. So first of all, if you can give us an update and then um, can you let us know what you're looking to get from these trial matches against the Raiders on Saturday? Certainly, um, um, Craig. Um, there's been a few changes with obviously the increase in COVID and some of the um, COVID um, sparked through the Origin Blues Emerging Pathways camp last week. Unfortunately, the Tasha Gale trial game against the Canberra Raiders has been cancelled. Um, there was a number of girls um, or young ladies or women that attended the Blues or the Emerging Blues um, Pathways program from the Tasha Gale and NRLW squads. So the New South Wales Rugby League have suggested that it's probably too risky um, to run all or any Tasha Gale trials. So really saddened by that. The girls um, and the staff were really excited to play uh, Canberra yes, t- tomorrow, um, but it's a decision that's way above our pay grade. However, with our Harold Matthews and SG Ball, um, they will go ahead in Goulburn. Um, the original times were um, um, 11 and 1.30 respectively, Matson Ball, and that won't change. So the Tasha Gale has been cancelled, which was scheduled for a nine o'clock game. Um, that being the case of cancelled, uh, we're going to play the Harold Matthews at 11. Uh, they'll have four 20-minute quarters. So we'll have two teams um, for the first quarter, uh, first two quarters and the last two quarters. And then the SG Ball will have four 25 quarters and we'll also have two different teams. The first one playing the first two quarters or the first half um, and the second um, Parramatta SG Ball side uh, playing the last two quarters um, at Goulburn. Now, um, going back to the question, um, Craig, about what we're looking for, One, it's an opportunity where this game has been scheduled for the last three to four years. Unfortunately, due to COVID last year, we we weren't able to play. And and the year before, you may remember um, the bushfires that we had Mm -hmm. and uh, that game didn't go ahead because the bushfires actually jumped the freeway um, and Canberra couldn't travel up. So this is the first time in three years that we've played this game again. And we're just looking to get an opportunity for the players, firstly, to play in um, this program, in their programs, in mats and ball together. And certainly what we're going to look for is um, their, their the, what they've been working on at training, their conditioning level, um, their um, willing to uh, compete on everything, and just things that um, um, allowed them or afforded them the opportunity to be invited into that program where they were at the start of the program and where they've progressed to five, six weeks out after the start of the program. And uh, one of the toughest things that comes out of the trials and in terms of roster management are the cuts, Joey. 
So when do the junior rep squads get trimmed and finalised? It's a really good question. And, and, and uh, Jono, uh, we've had an unwritten rule that um, unless it's exceptional circumstances, we would like to give every player the opportunity to play in two trials, that being the Raiders game. And then when we return back in 2022, uh, we have a trial against the Bulldogs. Um, so we would love to give uh, every player at least two opportunities there and then um, make the final cut, um, which would allow us to go into the final game or final trial against Penrith with our fully loaded side in the preparation for round one, two weeks after. So we would give um, everyone uh, an opportunity in both trials. However, if someone was injured, um, this you know this trial and can only participate in the in the 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 first trial of next year for the Bulldogs, then that would be that exceptional circumstance where we may not afford them a second trial. But we would like to give everyone a tr uh, two trials. Who knows? Sometimes they just have a bad day, yeah. and um, you know um, they want to make amends. Now you you just I was just going to say you just mentioned that we've got that um, that break that's coming up, and then you've got a couple of trial matches after the uh, the two week break. What what program is there for the players to follow during those two weeks just to keep themselves in shape? Are they have they got a specific program that will be set for them during that break? Yeah, the short answer is yes. Uh, each trainer will provide them um, a guide as to um, different alternate um, training as well as traditional training where we want them to go away and enjoy and um, refuel and, and freshen up for when they return. It's incredibly important that they're doing something daily or every second day. And we need to be careful as well because we don't want them doing the high intense training that they're used to day in and day out. So we give them different variations of feet um, conditioning programs, generic weight programs, things that are going to stimulate them and not bore them at the same time. So when they come back after two weeks, they have a reasonable level of fitness to kick on the 2022 season with. Um, we don't have a big turnaround time. We have two weeks off and then our first week back, um, they train, they come back on the Saturday and then the, 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 the following Saturday, we play our first trial game. So it's, it's, it's even more important um, this year or 2022 that they come back in a better shape um, or a more reasonable shape than what they have done in the past. Traditionally, we've had two weeks to get ready for the first trial. Next year, in 2022, we only have one week to get ready for our first trial. You actually uh, preempted me a little bit there, Joey, with your uh, excellent answers. I was going to ask you about how the upcoming trial season actually shapes up for the Eels, but you already mentioned that we've got, obviously, this week at Goldburn versus the Raiders, but then we come back, play the dogs into Penrith. Um, so I'll pivot with the uh, NRLW, what's their preseason look like roughly in terms of, because they start very early next year playing the two comps obviously in 2022, will they be playing trolls? Yeah, I imagine they would be and, and not knowing their actual schedule and uh, I'm sure um, um, Andy Patmore, a head of female performance and, and general manager of female pathways, um, would have organised or arranged some sort of scheduling uh, of opposed and trials. Mm -hmm. um, they will start to ramp up 
Um, they've had limited sessions thus far, uh, two, two days a week, but when they return in 2022, they'll ramp up to four sessions per week in readiness for their, you know, trial games into their round one. They start their season a little bit after our um, um, junior reps Correct. pathways, so uh, they've got a little bit more time. But I'm very, very confident that um, Andy Patmore and his staff will um, um, organise and arrange um, trials against other opposition. Well, uh, Forty's just given another bit of a lead in with the the question that he's given you just then, because I wanted to ask about the the Tasha Gale and the uh, leading into the NRLW because. This is now the first time that the the Tasha Gale can see that pathway through to a Parramatta NRLW team. Have you seen that that's had any sort of um, impact on the excitement within the group or the anticipation of, of their season and, and what it means to be playing Tasha Gale now for Parramatta, knowing that there's uh, a pathway to a Parramatta NRLW team? It's a double answer, and it's yes and yes. Your first yes relates to being a young lady in an under-19s program, having inaugural um, NRLW senior team. Um, there is an added excitement, not only with the players, but the club, but the staff as well. Um, you're right, there is a, a progressive pathway there now, and it's it's not visual anymore, it's actual. So... Um, um, it's a really exciting time for our club and just going down to the training session of the, of the, of the women in our Tasha Gale, they're so excited because they can see it in front of their eyes. The other part is that because we've got two competitions this year, uh, excuse me, in 2022 for our um, NRLW, it's not out of the realm of possibility now that our younger women or our women in our Tasha Gale side could potentially play Tasha Gale, jump on the back of the program and go into a um, Harvey Norman women's comp and then actually represent Parramatta out of the Harvey women's um, competition into the second event for 2022 as the NRLW. So there's a clear pathway and a possibility that some of our young ladies may actually earn an opportunity to be in the back end of the 2022 NRLW Eels program. Yeah, and those sort of storylines will be amazing to follow, you know, like you said, from Tasha Gale to Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership into the full-blown NRLW. Um, whoever can make that trailblazing run amongst our juniors, it'll be an incredible story. Oh, it'd be incredible. It was like, um, you know, Jared Hayne in, in, in 2000 and, uh, 2005 playing SG Ball, Jersey Flag, Jersey Flag, New South Wales Cup or Reserve Grade uh, into first grade. Um, and the same year he made, you know, he made the Junior Kangaroos, President's 13 and, and made the test team the following year. It wouldn't be that to that magnitude, but certainly someone going from Tasha Gale to Harvey Norman to NRLW in the same year would be a wonderful piece. And adding to that, in 2022, um, you talk about the excitement of NRLW. We're actually introducing in April and May of 2022 an under-16s and under-18s all-female um, junior-based program as well. So we're extending that pathway program um, 
not only to our Tasha Gale, but our younger ladies. So a full, to a have, full junior reps program for yeah, the yep. ladies. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's uh, very exciting news. But let's uh, look at the bigger picture now, Joey. It's been a very testing off-season for the Parramatta Eels and their fans. We've uh, had a couple of big losses. We were sort of expecting Ryder to go back home, but then we had uh, Papa Lee go to the Tigers and obviously Reed Marnie uh, jump ship to the Dogs. Sixes and I sort of labelled this one here as the one that the Eels had to have. If, if this hadn't fallen their way, um, you'd have to ask you know, big questions about the, the long-term outlook of the club. But yesterday, massive news broke with Junior Polo recommitting to the Eels for a, a four-year extension. How do you view that uh, whole situation from Parramatta now with you know two of the premier bookends under lock and key for the next uh, four or five years and you know one of the real leaders at the club uh, you know, extending his stay at the Blue and Gold? Oh, look, it, it's, it's not in my remit to, you know, um, do anything with recruitment. However, um, as a as the junior pathway coaching director and as someone that's played in our junior club or junior programs like junior, um, I'm, I'm ecstatic, um, ecstatic for him, our club and the fans. And it just shows that, you know, Junior does love being part of the club and, you know, the club loves having Junior for, um, uh, you know, another another opportunity for one of our own to re-sign probably in the second last uh, contractual opportunity mm-hmm. for Junior's career says that he wants to be here. So it's very, very exciting and, and really relieved um, that, you know, um, uh, we got some really, really good news. Mate, it was, a, it was one of the best Christmas presents that, uh, <laughs> as Eels fans, that we could have. And I, and I know that um, not only have you been uh, a, a part of the Eels in terms of your career, but you're a, an Eels man at heart. So we, we felt we could throw that question to you because as from that supporter side of you, we knew, knew that you'd be uh, welcoming that news as well. Absolutely. And um, I won't go as far as saying it's the best Christmas present because... I haven't got my wife's Christmas present yet, and she listens to this podcast. And I just want to make sure that I don't make her cross because I could have the best Christmas present, but if I make her cross, it's going to be the worst Christmas present. So um, um, if she didn't listen to the podcast, I'd be giving you a different answer saying we all know what the best Christmas present was. I have to tell you just very quickly, uh, Chanel had planned a surprise for me with what she uh, purchased for me, but it arrived via uh, Australia Post, and the uh, the place where it sent it didn't package it up. So I actually oh, saw. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, oh my gosh! Speaking well, of speaking of Christmas, Joey, what's the average Christmas like in the Grimer household? What are you? Uh, what's well, the spread? Well, being uh, being a Maltese, uh, one of seven, you could imagine it's a race to get to the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> because us Maltese, we love a we love a feed, um, and um, yeah, that's only one of seven siblings. And then you add the aunties and uncles. The it's like there's more people at our Christmas gathering than there is at Combank Stadium on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. You got any uh, staple meals for Christmas? 
Yes, uh, pasta, pasta, more pasta, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a and a lamb roast. Uh, sorry, a ham roast. Pork, uh, sorry, uh, is there any chance of pasta? Did you say? Um, <laughs> yeah, that uh, for entree, main meal, and dessert. Sixties. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, look, I. I I know that you're going to be spoilt because we have had the pleasure of having a feed up at your place yes. and, uh, and we were well looked after. So I can assure the listeners that it's, it's going to be a well-fed Grimer family. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, the, the, the motto is at our house. If you don't leave the house and you're three and a half kilos, yeah. kil- you're not, you're not heavier by three and a half kilos. You can't leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's a, oh, mate. it's a great motto, and it should be a very well-earned rest, mate. I know you've been absolutely run off your feet at this time of year, so get to enjoy what, – what, how is it, one week, two weeks for you? Yeah, two ready? weeks, ten, ten days. Yeah, ten, ten days. days. So, yeah. Yeah. so you get yeah. to enjoy a week and a half or just that, just about that off your feet and yeah. and look after yourself and your family, mate. And it's been a, a massive year for us here at TCT and the tip sheet with you, and it's been a really, really fun journey. We got to see – and talk about a lot of cool things, and not as much as you would have liked to, because you know the New South Wales Cup getting called yeah. off and and whatnot. But it was still a really really fun time, mate. And I look forward to more of and and more opportunities of that in twenty twenty two. Yeah, thanks, guys. And as I always say, um, um, you probably don't realise how much your podcast and um, you know your um, your love for Parramatta. Um, is enjoyed by not only, you know, your listeners, but certainly our players and staff. You give them um, the the notable recognition that they deserve because who knows, at the end of the day, they're all voluntary. They're all doing it at their own time. They've all got their own challenges, financial, family, work, um, but they still turn up the training and they still turn up the game day to assist those young men and women. And um, without your, uh, you know, your uplist in their profile, um, but probably... It's, it's just the right thing, and I really appreciate what you guys do behind the scenes, uh, the energy and effort you put in. And from my family um, to your family and your listeners, uh, may we have a super, super Christmas, and um, let's have a crack in 2022. That's it, mate. And it's just as well we do those decent things on this side because Sixes and I are always on the naughty list for St. Nick for other reasons. So <laughs> <laughs> got, to, got to balance it out somehow. Merry Christmas, mate. That'll be another episode. Merry Christmas, Joey. Thank you so much, mate. Merry Christmas, mate. See you guys. See ya. So thanks to Joey again for coming on the show all year. Uh, Legend of a guest. But, mate, we've got plenty to catch up on. Like we said at the start of the show, it's been a little bit of time between recordings uh, due to various reasons. So there's been just a little bit of stuff happening in the world of football while while I've been away and while you've been looking after yourself. So let's dive right into it, mate. We mentioned it with Joey. Massive news yesterday. Uh, it was teased on on social medias and then quickly confirmed by the club. Junior Paulo re-upping for a further four years on his current contract, which means he'll be in Eel until the end of 2026, which means it's five more playing seasons worth of time. Uh, he'll be 32 at the end of the new deal. So sort of like Joey intimated, it's he's probably his second last contract in NRL. He's in his prime. He's, and I wrote about this. I said he's a bit of a unicorn when it comes to prop forwards. You know, very few men have ever had the, his combination, if ever, of uh, size, engine, and skill. That was the signing that we had to have, mate, wasn't it? It was, it was the tipping point. It was, you know, if Junior hadn't uh, re-upped with the club and he'd gone to whether it was the Dolphins or, or, you know, Canterbury or the Roosters, God knows if they could have found money for him, 
you know, that would have been almost unrecoverable in terms of the short to medium term future of the club. Oh, mate, it was never in doubt, was it? Junior was always going to stay. Oh, well, and, and that's the thing is that <laughs> although, you know, the, it took time to get the, the, the deal finalised, whatever that meant, it was three years versus four years, and the fourth year was a deal clincher. Um, who knows? But it, for all the trepidation and concern, it felt like Junior was and is and always will be an eel. He went away once and, you know, the grass wasn't greener on the other side of Canberra. He came back and, and really elevated his game at the club that he loves to play for. And, yeah, he, he now becomes a cornerstone for this franchise moving forwards alongside Reagan Campbell-Gillard as the probably, you know, the best one-two pairing of starting props in the competition and a, a duo that you can build a dominant forward pack around purely because you have those two men and you can start, you know, augmenting and supplementing with young guys with the projects that Brad Arthur unearths and, and turns into gems uh, with a, you know, a marquee pickup if the opportunity presents itself. But with those two at the helm, you, you're pretty confident that the Parramatta pack is always going to be formidable. Yeah, and look, just on the that signing, I think it's fair to say that Junior does regard the Eels as his home. I think his family regard the Eels as his home, as their home, being part of the Eels community, the Eels family. Uh, with regard to being that that foundation of the of the Eels team going forward, I think there's a that's a fair call because what we have at the moment is we've got a, a team that for twenty twenty two is arguably stronger than it was in twenty twenty one. And then you've really got that foundation of a again a strong team in twenty twenty three. And maybe it, it's it's now just tweaking that roster for 2023, mm-hmm. and there's 12 months that they're able to do that. The club themselves have made no secret about the fact that their goal is to stay up competing for a top four spot every year. And because of that, that shapes the way they approach contracts and contra- the size of contracts or the lengths of contracts off, but it's a it's a real balancing act, isn't it? Putting together the the um, the that, squad, the, the win forever mentality you need to have is it's easy to to make it your mission statement. It is difficult to enact it, and I think the club has done a good job here of of a sort of counterbalancing from a you know a, a big blow they suffered elsewhere and and getting Junior done because if Junior was lost, there was an element of all or nothing for twenty twenty two. Uh, but yep. you know they they stuck true to that mission statement. They made it work, and like you said, now they're in a in a sort of situation where they can continue to win and continue to build on that winning. The other aspect of junior extending, I think there's a psychological aspect, and I think it's both with the supporters and also with the club itself. I think there's been a real lift in the spirits of certainly in the supporters, because the supporters, when they were seeing so many players that were moving on for 2023, and I did say, look, you know, we need to we need to wait and see how everything pans out. Make your judgment on the roster when the roster is finalised. But obviously people are, are, are looking to see that there's there's going to be significant players off who are off contract that are retained, and, and that's what Junior's extension has been able to provide for people, just that 
reassurance that um, you know, important players are going to stay at the club. And, and, and I got that sense in the responses on social media that, and, and from what people have been saying to me in, in person, that it, it, they really see that future that continues to be bright, whereas I think there was the, the emotional impact of, of losing some players and losing some favourite players that, that did affect people. Um, and I think it's also going to provide a fillip for the other players as well, not only for 2023, but I think going into next year, there, there were certainly plenty of players who were putting it on their social media juniors uh, contract extension. So um, I mm. think it, it showed how important it is to them as well. Yeah, and you made mention of the loss of uh, certain players and speaking to Joey, obviously we, we recounted who we'd lost and I forgot to mention Ray Stone too, who uh, that was one of the ones where I'm upset that we lost Ray, uh, not because uh, to begrudge him his opportunity, I, I'm super stoked about that, but the fact that he's going to the Dolphins as the second ever player on a two-year deal, that is a, a testament to how hard he's worked, so well done to Stoney there. And I hope he kills it up there. Uh, well, I suppose Redcliffe, but they're not the Redcliffe Dolphins. They're the Dolphins. But uh, of yeah. those, of can those... I just can I just say as well that uh, Ray has obviously been in negotiations with them during the start of the uh, preseason for Parramatta. He's been absolutely busting the gut there at, at mm. training. So yeah, no, any, no any thought out. that there's yeah. any thought that he's looking down the track. Yeah. At the Dolphins contract, he's he's not planning to aim up as as and really push for a first grade berth for the Eels uh, next season. That you know he is he is, and and in fact, I I can't see anything other than the, all those players that are going to be departing. They they will be busting the gut for, in twenty twenty two, just based on what I'm watching the training. Yeah, and unfortunately, while I'm away and unfortunately occupied for other stuff outside of TCT, one of those players that is departing in terms of being a key player, is Reed Money, who ended up agreeing to a four-year deal with the Dogs, I believe, 60s, uh, uh, starting from 2023, um, which meant the Eels obviously had to find uh, a replacement for Reed at dummy half, one of the most critical positions in the roster, and they were very quick to act. Um, and it was a double announcement, actually. They uh, dropped the signing of Josh Hodgson for two years, I believe, uh, alongside Bowie Simonson, so they they raided the Canberra Raiders. They pillaged the the pillaging team, the Raiders, uh, for two players there. So Simonson joining the club for a three year tenure, and uh, Hodgson uh, coming in twenty twenty three for two years. But Simonson obviously joining the club immediately, which we'll talk about shortly in the training reports. What do we make of this? Josh Hodgson he's uh, struggled a little bit with injury in recent seasons, but he brings a lot of veteran savvy and nous to the the lineup and. You look at the, the hooker or dummy half sort of market, and obviously it would have been ideal to keep Reed. But in terms of the genuine triple threat dummy halves out there, Hodgson is one of the few that can do the run kick pass uh, triumvirate of playmaking. Yeah, it's interesting that we've got a player who, look, I must admit, I was going on, my first thoughts were. Uh, his age, uh, form at Canberra. That's a completely reasonable concern to have with Josh Hodgson. Is yeah, that? and but then if you put it into context, how many Raiders players had an outstanding season last year? I, I'm I'm struggling to think. 
yeah. of too many that had a, an outstanding season last year. They really the the noise that was coming out of the Raiders was of a club that had a, a number of players that weren't performing, weren't uh, or whether it be for their own form, whether it be that it was an issue around the coach or the environment, whatever the case may be, a lot of players were down on their personal best, uh, including Hodgson. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, it, how, if, is it fair? Like, I think it's reasonable that you do judge a player on their on their most recent form, but I think maybe this is also a case of... Um, putting it into context. Um, it, I mean, we only have to think back to Parramatta's own 2018, and uh, it was pretty hard That's to find right. any player that yeah. was in, in any sort of form in 2018. And then a number... There were some changes, of course, to Parramatta in 2019, but there there were players in that group who completely turned around their form. Uh, Michael Jennings comes to mind as as one of those... Uh, players, but there was there were uh, so many other players that I mean Mitchell Moses uh, went from being potentially Mitch, on the art of the club yep. to playing state of origin football. So yes, a- absolutely, absolutely, and he was one that was rumoured whether it was going to be he, or he Corey or Norman. Corey Norman he, that was by, by the way out of the club. His retirement in the NRL. So yes, yeah. So we do wish Corey all the best in yeah, in his on retirement. Segue, yeah, hundred um, percent. One of the big characters of the modern game. But back to Josh Hodgson's sixties and. Like I said, I think it is fair to be concerned because this isn't a, a, a signing that comes without caveats. He's going to be an elder statesman of the game when he joins us. But we are in a time where players are playing so much later into their careers than ever due to the benefits of sports science and nutrition and everything else that goes into being a professional athlete. And I, I was thinking on this, and I suppose in an ideal world, you obviously keep Reed Marnie and you keep that one six seven nine combination all together and they go out and win a premiership. But... In terms of a, a bridge option where it's a guy that can come in and keep you competitive, hit the ground running, and also help mentor the next generation, Hodgson can, can be that guy. He can also add a little bit of that veteran savvy to the playmaking spine, which admittedly was kind of young still. You know, Guffo and Moses are starting to enter their primes, but you know they, they probably don't have all the veteran tricks that Hodgson can bring to the table. We know that he's an excellent exponent of the one-on-one strip. Uh, for example, those little things and just the ability to exploit opposition markers and the gamesmanship that comes from being a, a veteran dummy half. So there's that aspect of it too. And uh, that probably helps sway it. But I think the other thing too is that uh, he also just knows how to be a damaging playmaker. And the idea will be him balancing that with Mitchell Moses and not overplaying his hand. But I am curious to see what he can do for us. And would it be fair to say again, trying to look for some context, that Hodgson was asked to do a lot more than what that dummy oh, half yeah, hole should we, be we, we talked the Raiders. To, we, we talked about keeping that parameter spine together, and for good reason, because they have a pretty harmonious relationship. At Canberra, it's completely different. Their, their whole balance in the 1679 is out of whack. They didn't have a proper halfback for strong, like, like long stretches of time, uh, once uh, George ba- uh, George Bailey, George Williams, not the cricketer, the, the footballer, uh, went back to England. Uh, and as much as uh, Whiten can be a phenomenal player on his day, he's very streaky and he is as far from a organising or controlling half as you're going to get. On top of that, you had CNK out for a good chunk of the season. And even then, he plays a lot like Guffo in that he's a great finishing fullback for the playmaking, but he's not a primary playmaker. 
even less so than Guffer, who's actually pretty reasonable in that regard. But CNK is not a, a playmaking fullback as a primary option. So Josh Hodgson was left to shoulder a lot of issues uh, in the playmaking, just in that sense, in the playmaking sense. And like you said, 60s, uh, a lot of the, the noise, a lot of the uh, sort of whispers coming out of Canberra last year, you could see it reflected in their play. It wasn't a happy playing group. And that we know deeply well from 2018, how that can impact your season. Yeah, so I think after reflecting on how Hodgson was, uh, the position that he was placed in in, in the Raiders in the year, last year, year and a half, and and then thinking back on what he does deliver in his usual form, in his best form, I'm thinking it is a very good pickup, not just for what he'll bring himself out on the field, but what he will add to any up-and-coming dummy halves in the club. And as you say, really acting as a bridge between what is the now and then what is coming and through. The, import, the, the important part of being that bridge is that it's not compromising your win-now opportunities. He'll come in and help you push for a premiership, but he also won't you know, long-term uh, railroad or block a, a young dummy half out of an opportunity to be our long-term uh, number nine. So he'll come in, he'll play, I assume, in a in a, a platoon or a rotation at dummy half. You know, he's playing 50, 60 minutes with a number 14 who uh, hopefully will emerge this year or next year. And, yeah, and then he teaches the next generation. And I think the, the equivalent sort of player I think of when I think of the Hodgson signing in modern history would be Michael Ennis when he went from the Dogs to Cronulla as an elder statesman at dummy half. Um, and he really sort of had stagnated the dogs and he got a new grip on life at a new club and obviously helped them push for a breakthrough title in 2016. Yeah, and um, when we get into talking about the uh, training, I'll just have a, a, a few words about uh, Michael Ennis as well. Yep. So let's move on. That's uh, all the big signings we made uh, while I was absent from TCT duties. But there was a little bit of other news. The Eels finally confirmed their... Uh, I say 2022 NRLW squad, I mean the the first competition in 2022 because I imagine that there'd be free agents after that first contract, uh, first competition, which will lead to some uh, very interesting uh, moments, I suppose, for players transferring in the same season. Uh, but I'll quickly read through it uh, in alphabetical order for first names, that is. Uh, Abby Church, uh, Botil Vete Welsh, Christine Pauly, Ellie Johnston, Emily Curtin, uh, Fatafehi Hanisi, Philomena Hanisi, uh, Jay, Jade Efferden, uh, Jamie Ann Wright, uh, Josephi Daniels, Katrina May Fipp, uh, Fippen, uh, Kennedy Charrington, who we had on the tip sheet, a fantastic young woman and probably one of your favourite players if you'd listen to her speak, uh, Madison Studden, uh, Mariva Swan, Nita Maynard, uh, Ricky Horn, uh, Siriana uh, Naito Katoa, uh, Shirley or Sally Malangi, uh, Saimani Taufa, Taina Navidi, Tess Danes, Therese Iten, uh, Tiana Penatani, and Tamaya Kelly Signs. And ladies, if I butchered any of your names, I apologize. Um, but that is the full NRLW squad for the March tournament. Um, and we'll be getting more and more updates from them as we get on the other side of Christmas and into the new year. And that's uh, definitely something we're hugely excited about, isn't it, 60s? Yeah, and we're looking forward to hopefully being able to bring you a, a few more of 
the players that are involved in the mm-hmm. Eels NRLW team as part of the uh, Tip Sheet podcast yes, in sir. leading up to the kickoff of the NRLW season. So, as you mentioned, uh, Kennedy was a great guest that we had on, and we're looking forward to um, meeting some more of the uh, ladies and um, finding out a little bit more about their their backgrounds and what they're looking to offer going into the um, into the NRLW season. I'm also looking at uh, maybe producing a training or report or two once the girls get into their uh, regular uh, training sessions. Landmark material for the NRLW, actually. I don't think we've ever had a, a training report across any of the 16, well, I say 16 NRL clubs, but uh, four, five or six NRLW clubs uh, when you consider their franchises. So look forward to that one. And now we got a little small update uh, going back just a while. Uh, Joey Grimer dropped a little uh, junior reps exclusive on the tip sheet when he mentioned that uh, four Parramatta Eels have been picked in the emerging or future blue squad. And they were Larry Tutia, Will Penasini, Sean Russell and Blaze Talungi. And we covered that uh, in depth going over each of the boys back then. But like I said, a small update. Uh, another outstanding young prospect for the Blonde Gold and Jock Brazel has also been included into that team. Uh, Jock came to us last year, I believe, 60s? or last season rather, um, young edge back rower, good looking prospect and someone that we're really looking forward to seeing make a jump in 2022. Yeah, was he, uh, Is that was this year his second season? I, with- I, I, I was trying to think, so I'm just trying to recall, <clears throat> maybe it was his first proper season in the reps, but maybe his second season at the club? Uh, yeah. I just have it in the back of no, my he mind. Did, he did, that was you, his know, you know, you know why he, we didn't fully recall is because the 2020 season got cut short, um, and yeah. Jock, Jock was part of the SG ball back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's this is what COVID does. Yeah, people. Um, <laughs> we were we were. Um, I think we were about halfway through, maybe a bit further than halfway through the junior rep season yeah. when COVID struck in 2020. And unfortunately that meant the end of uh, that season. We, we, we were able to um, get through it um, this year, but again, uh, unfortunately we lost the cup in this year. We, we, lost a, the cup, yeah. we had an outstanding young team that were making a huge push for the title in the New South Wales cup. So it's been a absolute mess, hasn't it? Just a and you start blurring seasons together, and and who and where were people playing? And for for young Jock, no uh, disrespect to you, mate, but uh, yeah, that was the case. He's been for two years. Yeah, so I should also mention that uh, Jock was selected in the Australian Schoolboys merit team, and he's actually not the only Parramatta Eels player that's in that merit team because we've picked up a player from the Panthers. SG ball team, Lachlan Blackburn, mm-hmm. who is also a member of the Australian Schoolboys merit team. Uh, he's also a back rower, can play a bit of centre, and I believe might have made his jersey flag debut for the Panthers on the wing. Yeah, he's definitely named on the wing a couple of times for them. So he's a bit of a like a good utility there, isn't he, from the edge to the, the wing? Yeah, and just looking at some highlights that I've seen of his play, he definitely is a powerful runner of the ball so it'd be interesting to see that I, I would like I, I would imagine that our plans would be to play him on the edge um and uh yeah just see how uh, how he develops i would imagine uh, be another member of our jersey flag team 
for uh, the 2022 season. So, um, yeah, good good work for those emerging blues. But, of course, uh, there has been the issue around COVID with that yes. emerging squad. Yeah, between the NRLW and the uh, emerging blues being some uh, potentially damaging uh, exposures to a COVID cluster. So, certainly changed the plans for clubs and players in terms of pre-season training, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and their Christmas. Uh, and Christmas, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they'd be um, uh, those those fellows who would have been part of the Eels pre-season um, from NRL down to Jersey Flag, uh, now training on their own for the last part of uh, this pre-Christmas training period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so once they reconvene post-New Year, uh, obviously they should be outside of the... Uh, the sort of the time lockdown that they've got for exposure, so can get back on track there. So, speaking of and it, training, it's, oh, and, and and just before we go on too, it's probably something that uh, we as fans might, you know, start to see a, uh, or have something that we need to be informed about, yeah, or definitely. or have a bit of a discussion about, because the um, the COVID scenario where we don't have bubbles for players and there's unlikely to be any future lockdowns with uh, citizens that what happens with these competitions, with matches, there's teams overseas have, have had uh, games that have had to be called off where uh, a particular team hasn't had enough players to take the field. Uh, competitions are going on. They're not putting things on hiatus anymore. So um, interesting times ahead, mate. Yes, sir. And speaking of training, mate, you've been out there in the preseason covering Parramatta's training work in said preseason. A lot to talk about. There's been uh, plenty of training reports. Let's start with some of the new faces there. Uh, who you got coming on board for us? Okay, well, we've just had Bailey Simonson join the team this week at training, and I don't know that there's been too many better debut weeks at training. Maybe. Maybe I might go back to Ice last year and mm-hmm. even uh, Bryce Cartwright, who were impressive from the, the start. Uh, Bailey Simonson's certainly been one of the most impressive backs um, to have their first week of pre-season after joining the club. So uh, a lot to like about what he looks like providing. He's fast. He's elusive. He's got a good fend. He's arrived fit. Um, I'm expecting uh, big things from Bailey Simonson in 2022. And, of course, he's got that capacity to play a number of positions. I'm expecting him to play on the wing, um, probably outside of Will Penasini. Uh, that, of course, that still remains to be seen. We've got plenty of pre-season yet to, for that to be settled in. But, um, yeah, he, he does have that capacity to cover centre wing Fullback. Uh, if if you've got that level of versatility, then um, you're probably less impacted by um, uh, you know the short term injuries that mm. might be uh, there in the in the club. So um, yeah, he's he's been quite impressive since he's joined the Eels. I am you know, speaking of Bailey. I am very curious to see who is the number two fullback on the depth charts because it'd be between him, maybe Sean Russell, because Will Smith's no longer with the club. Um, so yeah, that that sort of adds a little bit of versatility, important versatility. There, um, so. At at training, Hayes Perham's been 
Oh, playing yeah, hey, hey, yeah who, who returns to the Eels after joining us mid-season in 2021. Um, he's, he's, he had a couple of good moments today. People have to um, read my training report, but he will get a mention in today's training report. He had a, a couple of good moments. So, Hayes, Hayes, uh, Hayes shocked me because he was a tidy player for us in 2021, but you see him on the field and he looks so slight. And then I saw him in preseason. He is an absolute rig. He is an absolute unit. He's cut like from uh, from granite or, or onyx or something like that. Just uh, absolutely in top shape. So looking forward to what he can do. If a, it's it's worth mentioning that you know alongside uh, uh, Rui McGregor and whatnot, he's one of the players that, despite playing for us in twenty twenty one, didn't actually partake in a preseason. And uh, we know that the standards of the preseason are pretty high at the club. And hopefully, it can help elevate the players that got the play for us but didn't get the train with us. Um, yeah, the standards are very high. It's there are funny moments. I mean, we we might have a bit of a giggle ourselves watching it when players uh, uh, don't quite do exactly what they're supposed to do, and they're made to they're they're asked to have a do over. Mm-hmm. And there was a few of those today, and um, I'm not sure whether the coaches were angry or um delighting in making them making the squad do things for you know multiple times that uh, that they weren't doing properly um so um yeah so it, it is it is high there are high standards that are set there in pre-season and really a, a good pre-season sets up what's gonna come ahead and one of the, the best examples of that recently was, of course, Isaiah Papali'i because he was just, from the moment that he got onto the field in the last preseason, it was like, notice notice me, look what I'm doing. And he was my uh, standout last year and um, oh, he obviously carried that through into the season proper. So... Um, it's it's still fairly early days for me to make too much of a call on who I think might have a breakout year or a really good year. But as I said, Bailey Simonson's right up there, right okay. up there, just just on his first week of training with the Eels. Not the only new face to join us very recently. Uh, Mitch Rain has been there for the, the preseason itself in, in its entirety, but Ophahiki Ogden also joins us on a train and trial basis from the Canterbury Bulldogs. Yeah, now just on Mitch Rain, a very fit individual. Obviously, he's a total professional. He's got over 200 NRL games on his resume. He's going to provide the experience in the dummy half play for this season. What I'm seeing from his service out there on the training track, it's good. He, He finishes amongst the leaders in any conditioning work. Um, good solid addition, especially with losing Joey Lussick. So um, he's a different he's a different player to Lussick, but um, and it's interesting because Lussick had that experience in the Super League. He had um, obviously didn't have a couple of hundred games, but he, he'd been playing in the uh, in the English Super League in the first division of the uh, of the English competition for a couple of years. So. He had a bit of confidence, that experience, um, and now we have Mitch Rain there with over 200 games. And I've said before in what I've written that I can't recall a season where Mitch Rain was listed as 
the number one dummy half for the clubs that he's played at. Yet the bloke has gone past 200 NRL games. So it, it tells you that he's he's got this knack of getting his opportunity every year and taking it with both hands and, and playing uh, plenty of first grade every season. For NFL fans listening to the, the tip sheet, there's a bit of a Ryan Fitzpatrick about Mitch Rain, uh, sort of a, a career NFL journeyman quarterback that, like you said, uh, in comparison to Mitch Rain, very rarely started as number one of the depth charts, but would consistently find significant playing time because he always applied himself diligently and, and you know, wasn't you know, necessarily a superstar at the role, but just made stuff work, which is a, a very great ability to have when you're in a competition like the NRL to keep things on schedule and keep things on time in a probably, you know, arguably the or second most uh, important position in the team. Yeah, and now you've mentioned uh, Offa Hickey Ogden. Now, he's listed, I think, at 106 kgs. If if he's at 106 kgs, um, I'll tell you what, I'm a very poor judge because I reckon he has to be 110 to 112 kilograms of human being. And I, what is he? He's about six foot four, something like that. What, if you're 106 uh, kilos as a front rower and you're six foot four, you're probably going to look a bit on the slender side, well, aren't you? Things, I mean, you're yeah. yeah, that distribution of like of weight to height means that you're going to be almost skinny in terms of rugby league. Yeah, so uh, he's uh, again. This is just my estimate. I, I I believe he has to be 110, 112 kgs. He's he probably has a little bit of conditioning work that he's going to need to do. Um, I, I'm not sure what the scenario was at the Bulldogs, whether he'd started a pre-season, whether he hadn't been involved in their pre-season. I, I, I'm not sure. But to me, he's a typical big man in the at the start of a pre-season. Just what I mean by that is that you're going to have these blokes that are They'll they'll keep up over the over the shorter distances that they run, but as soon as you start to get repeat effort on effort on effort, you know the big blokes they're going to feel that they're going to feel that in um, uh, because let's face it in games they're playing um, anywhere between what twenty five minutes and up to a long stint for most middles might be around fifty five to sixty minutes for a really long stint out there. They do plenty of work. But they're not, uh, you know, you're going to expect that the the lighter-framed players are going to be the ones that will stand out in the conditioning work. And that's generally the case. Um, so Ogden's arrived. He's, he's not in bad shape at all. Um, but he'll, he, he'd be like any of our other big players. He's got, he's got a bit of work that he'll do. And by the time the um, season is ready to kick off, he should be in good shape. And you mentioned that it's too early in the preseason to start doling out your coveted uh, sort of breakout star awards. And I, I do mean coveted sincerely because you've been more more or less on the money for the past few years tipping who's going to be you know, a significant contributor out of seemingly nowhere for the Eels, whether it's a new signing or a, a player at the club already that's figuring himself out. But in terms of who stood out in the preseason, uh, what are the players that have caught your eyes? Or I... Eyes, I suppose, yeah, you have two eyes. So who's caught your eyes? Okay, well, so let's talk about um, people that maybe are 
less players that people are less familiar with. So Brendan Hans has come from the Penrith club as a dummy half. He's he could be one out of the box. Very fit, quite fast. I think he's a converted half Correct, into, yeah. into a dummy on, half. Spent on a halfback, yep. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much game time he gets at dummy half in New South Wales Cup level. But I like the service that he's providing, and he's certainly right up there in terms of the conditioning and fitness aspect um, that we've seen so far in the preseason. Um Makahesi Makatoa. Mate, he, he's he's given a, a couple of highlights just in the from a um a little bit from his um athleticism where he's uh had a bit of a match race against Ray Stone the other day with their with their running and he he actually burst ahead of the group and uh Stoney reeled him in on their uh, on the runs that they were doing and um uh He's he's got a, a quite an athletic style when he's when he's looking to stride out, um, and there was a bit of two handed touch the other day, and he put on the goose step to beat his opponent, then ran about seventy meters untouched for a try. So um, look, Maka didn't do the full preseason last year. He arrived uh, after the Christmas period because he was on a second tier deal at the Eels. And if you recall, the article that dropped following his. Uh Ascent to an NRL debut, he was considering giving the game away, and yeah, you know, sort of gave it one last roll of the dice and turned it into an actual NRL debut, and now a full preseason where he's a guy in serious contention to earn that you know three or four uh, prop spot in the team. Yeah, so he's one he's one to keep an eye on. That um, you know, that obviously people are going to be familiar with him playing a bit of NRL, but they may not be familiar about how much time he'd actually had in the preseason last year, which wasn't very much at all compared to other players. So um, let's keep an eye on whether he's able to force his way into uh, the top grade, uh, the top 17 each week. Uh, Stoney, I mentioned before, has just been training out of his skin. He's the fittest that I've ever seen. Uh, Again, whether that translates into opportunity or not he, there's normally a point in the season where Stoney gets his chance and then he'll play really well but then unfortunately he picks up an injury or two so um and of course he's not going to be with the eels past 2022 but all of these players that are still going to be with Parramatta, you have to go well, look consider them as like one year contract signings that's how i that's how i'm viewing it in my mind. So I'm not looking at it from the perspective of, oh, no, we shouldn't use them because they're not going to be with us after next year. No, ne- next year means just as much as the following years. The Next year is the, uh, an opportunity for Parramatta to challenge for the title. So if players, it doesn't matter who they are, if player is in form and deserves to be in the top 17, I'd expect BA to select them. I'd want him to select. Yeah, well, them. it's it's a tiebreaker situation, right? If there are two two players in contention for a spot of equal talent or you know equal output for the team, then maybe you can prioritize the one that's contracted past twenty twenty two in order to get the best of both worlds in terms of short term gain towards a premiership next year and also long term development. In that situation, you could justify it. But like you said, sixties in in that vacuum, if 
player A who is leaving the club at the end of 2022 is obviously a better fit for the bench or for a spot in 2022 to win the title, you pick player A. Correct, correct. So, uh, look, apart from that, there's there's not too... I'm not going to make any other calls at the moment because we've just started to get into the meat of some opposed work and there was a bit of that today with NRL referees there and I'll detail that in my training report. So um, if anyone wants to know a little bit about what's, what's happened in what was, I suppose, there... I can't see there's going to be too much contact on Monday. Monday is the open day for training. And uh, and I'm not sure, you know, that around COVID protocols, what's going to be possible in terms of uh, getting autographs and photos and and uh, meet the player sort of scenarios at at the uh, at the event. That's up for the the club to call. But um, I would imagine that there's probably not going to be the level of contact that there was today. Today was a big day for contact. So if you want to read about that, um, get onto the training report and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and uh, check out what happened in uh, this morning. I think that's a wrap, mate. I think that's a good way to end off to continue the discussion from the podcast and from training. Jump on the CumberlandFro.com. Check out 60's training report for today. You can also jump into the instant reaction of the junior polo retention where everyone's sort of celebrating for good reason. The, the retaining of one of the big pieces for our uh, premiership push next year and beyond. Um, you know, like I said, one of the real leaders on and off the field for the club and a man that's going to help us be competitive for a long time. So got those two uh, conversations to jump into. And I think, mate, we're not, I doubt we're going to get another podcast out before Christmas. It is the 17th of December when we record this one, um, which means there is technically a week plus to Christmas still. But uh, unless there's some sort of earth-shattering news in the next six or seven days, I imagine we'll reconvene post-Christmas, maybe post-New Year, and and look on to the 2022 seasons across all the different grades and, and go from there. Yeah, mate. So just with re- with regard to that, just a, a couple of shout-outs. First of all, um, to uh, Parramatta Leagues Club. They've, they've just opened um, or rebranded uh, the Jack's Bar and Grill. It was uh, previously Pablo's. It's now Jack's Bar and Grill. So... Had the pleasure of being there the other day for uh, a bit of a function, and um, that's that's now open. So uh, let's let's get in there, support the the place that is the home of the eels. Secondly, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to the What Ability Foundation that's just been launched uh, the other uh, most recently, a couple of Fridays back. I was at the launch of that at at uh, Combank Stadium. Steve Dresler, former eel kicking plenty of goals there. If you want to get involved with uh, donating experiences for uh, people with um, a disability or uh, people that don't have access to uh, some of the experiences that uh, many of us take for granted, and it might be something as simple as going to a sporting event. It could be something as simple as going to the zoo. Uh, uh, Many, many different types of experiences that they look to provide for their clients and for people who who are less advantaged. And um, if you want to get involved with that, it's uh, www.whatabilityfoundation.org.au. So you can make a donation um, of that will help towards 
giving people experiences. And uh, yeah, just head there if you if you want to know a little bit more about it before you make any uh, donation. Of course, that's that's always highly recommended. Yeah. But Stevie Dresler kicking Fun. plenty of goals with that, and um, and uh, the what ability and uh, and which obviously came from the Giant Steps School. His time there, uh, it's got a special place in our hearts. Mate, and um, it's good to see them uh, continuing to uh, make our community a better place. So, uh, Merry Christmas to them as well, and congratulations to them, and Merry Christmas to all of our listeners on uh, the podcast, and and to you, mate. Um, I hope it's a, a, a very good Christmas for you. Yeah, likewise, mate. I hope you and yours have a, a fantastic little holiday. Saying to all our listeners and readers, um, you know, very proud of the TCT community uh, in its entirety. We've got a fantastic bunch of fans of not just the Eels but rugby league uh, take part, uh, you know, in our little sphere of influence, and wouldn't have it any other way. It's been a, a fantastic ride in 2021, and can only be better in 2022. I dare say. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, and and thank you to everyone who's been a a guest and to all the people who have uh, who get in touch with us and say plenty of kind words about uh, what we try to provide. Um, it's uh, yeah, much appreciated. And to everyone that is listening or reading, have a merry Christmas, have a happy new year, uh, eat plenty, drink more, have a good time, and hopefully you get a few good prezies too. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good, mate. Catch you guys soon.